Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. Welcome to part two. So we are continuing on our chat with Instagram expert, Jen Herman. If you missed the first part of our interview with Jen, you can catch it on the Let's Get Social Show podcast, which is on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and also on the Dublin South FM website. So Jen, Instagram was one of the first kind of major social media channels where using hashtags became very important. So, you know, what are your thoughts on on hashtags? You know, how should a business use hashtags? Is there, I suppose, um, an actual figure on how many uh, hashtags you should be using in a post? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Instagram, like you said, really kind of launched the hashtag movement. I mean, Twitter had them. Um, other platforms were, I mean, they really initiated on Twitter, but it was like, you you know, they were like, use one to three, because of course you don't want to fill your tweet with endless hashtags. Hmm. But Instagram came along and said, you can use up to 30. And people started using lots of them and it really did make a difference. Now you have to understand that was back when there was like a couple hundred thousand users. And even when there were like a few million users, well now there's over a billion. So it's a much more saturated environment. But absolutely, hashtags still work. They are a secret sauce to success. I tell all brands they have to use them unless you are like Coke or Nike or, you know, some major recognized brand that doesn't need to use hashtags to be found in search. Any normal brand needs to use them. It's a use it or lose it mentality, meaning if you use them, there's a chance you show up in search. If you don't use them, you're not showing up in search. Because right, search on Instagram sucks. Like if there's something I could fix, it would be their search parameters. <laughs> and there, if someone's looking for something, they're going to be looking at hashtags. They're going to be looking for things related to that specific thing they want. Whether it's looking for a photographer, whether it's looking for, you know, a, a body shop, whether it's looking for, you know, clothing, whether it's looking for some a life coach, whatever it is, people are on Instagram looking for things and they're going to be doing that through the use of hashtags. So you definitely want to use them. I say a minimum of 10, minimum. I recommend 20. And again, use or lose it. The more you use, the more chances you have to show up and search. So 20 to 30 is great. After you after you use 30, the rest of them don't work. So it's, it's pointless to go beyond that. But 20 is usually a good, happy medium. And the, the thing is to find the relevant hashtags, right? So we want to find ones that actually work. You want to use ones that are re- relevant to your business, your industry, your target audience. We're not just using, you know, hashtag love and hashtag Justin Bieber and hashtag whatever, because we want to, that doesn't help you. And if anything, it actually hurts you because people aren't looking for you in that context. So, and it's not good to hashtag. We don't want to start using hashtag coronavirus just because we can and hope that we're going to get found. Because if your content has nothing to do with it, why are you there? People are more likely to be annoyed in seeing you where you don't belong than to have it be advantageous for you. So pick the relevant ones and then you want to pick three different categories of popularity and then your own personal branded one. So I don't recommend using any hashtag that has over a million posts associated with it. And if you go into Instagram, you hit the the magnifying glass icon, you type in a hashtag, it will tell you how many posts are associated with that hashtag. Once you get over a million posts, 
the only people that are really going to see your content in there are spam bots. They're automated tools that are just trolling for content. The average human being is not going to see your content in something that is that popular. The exception to that is the wedding industry and the food industry because they're so saturated on Instagram that you can't get a good hashtag with less than a million (laughs) posts on it just because it's so popular. So those are kind of an exception to the rule. But for the average business or brand, do you want to use, uh, so the combination of popular hashtags, these are going to be hashtags that are about 500,000 to a million posts associated with them. You're going to use three to five hashtags in that bucket. Then you're going to use three to five hashtags in the moderately popular. These are about 10,000, like mid tens of thousands up to that kind of 500,000 mark. And then you're going to use the niche specific. Those are the ones, there may only be 3,000 posts. There may only be 12,000, but they're really niche specific exactly to who you are and what you do as a solution. And then you have your branded hashtags. Like I have hashtag Jen's trends, hashtag learn from Jen. You know, it could be your brand, your slogan, whatever it is, you have your branded hashtags. So when you combine all of those, what ends up happening is the, your content goes up on Instagram. Your followers are already interacting with it. The hashtags are where non-followers find you. So you get an initial burst of activity from the popular ones, but then the moderately popular actually keep you active for hours into days. Cause that popular bunch, they're like within five to 10 minutes, your content is buried in the archives. Hmm. So it's only for the initial activity that we're using those. The moderately popular keep you active much longer And then what happens is Instagram is looking at your content going, your followers like it, non-followers are interacting with it. It's staying Mm. active for a period of time, not just the moment you posted it, but it's staying active. And what ends up happening is in those niche specific ones where there isn't a lot of competition, you will actually rank as the top posts. So if someone goes and looks at that hashtag, you're one of the first, if not the first post they see in that hub. And I've seen content live in there in the top post for two or three months because wow. nothing else wow. has been good enough to knock them out in terms of what Instagram deems good content. Sure. So by owning that, what happens if someone's looking for that, they go and look at that hashtag, they see your content first, they click on it. Now they're reading your content, your caption, they're following your call to action, they're going to your profile, they're following you, they're going to your website, they're calling you, they're buying from you. And yeah. that is how you actually use hashtag strategically. It's has to be consistent. You have to do this over and over and over on all of your posts. You don't get to try it once and be like, oh, didn't work. Sometimes hashtags just don't populate properly. Sometimes they work really well and you get thousands of views from a hashtag. So you have to be consistent and have realistic expectations of this. But if you do this consistently, you will start to see that uptick in engagement and ultimately your conversions. Excellent. And and Keep going, as I say. Yeah. Could I just, could I, could I just actually just ask you a very quick question, Jen, in relation yeah. to hashtags? Because I know it's something that I have struggled with in the past, um, and I know some of my own clients have kind of said to me they've struggled, is kind of tools or kind of going to actually think of hashtags. Um, now, I've I've used a tool uh, called ingrammar.com. I think it's and it's been quite good. It's a paid tool. It's interesting. It kind of spreads out. But is there any sort of hashtag tools that you've come across that you would have used or how you generate the hashtags? Yeah. So, I mean, and people always want, you know, what tool can I use to research hashtags? Um, there are a couple of tools I can tell you about, but personally, I tell people to go to Instagram directly. 
because yeah. Instagram knows what's working on Instagram. These other tools are pulling in data from Twitter as well. They're looking at, you know, what API information is made available to them. So they have restrictions as to what they can get access to. And when you go into Instagram and you start typing in, like, let's just say you start typing in hashtag wine, you're going to start to see all the ones there's going to be wine and then winery, wineries, you know, mm-hmm. wine drinking, wine tasting. And it's going to start listing all of these ones that have the word wine in it with the popularity of that post associated. Then if you click on one of those, let's t- say you typed on, you know, winery. Now you're on the winery hashtag result up at the top. It starts telling you other related hashtags. Yeah. And it may say something like, like I live here in Southern California, we have a bunch of, you know, local winery regions. So it may say Temecula winery, or it may say, you know, Temecula wine area, like it, or wine country. It's going to give me things that maybe don't have the word winery in it, but that are related to related. a winery. So Excellent. Instagram will give you those resources. Right. It takes some time. You have to give yourself time to go in and research these. But the first time you sit down and you give yourself that time to commit and go look at these, you're going to need some time. You're going to need a couple hours. Like that, yeah. let's just be real. But yeah. once you've yeah. done it, you've done it. Yeah. You maybe once every six or 12 months, you kind of go in and maybe do a quick refresh or look and see if there's anything else that's maybe gotten popular, maybe one that's gotten stagnant and you can mix it up, but you'll never really have to redo that level of research once you know where you're going with those hashtags. Perfect. So. To answer your question, there are two tools that I do recommend outside of Instagram, (laughs) if you want to. Um, I do recommend hashtagify, so hashtag I-F-Y, and um, tag board, so T-A-G-B-O-A-R-D, tag board. Um, And they both, again, they're good tools. They work. I I still personally think Instagram is better, but if you want something like that, that will give you a better conglomerate of ideas to get started, that's a good place to get some, you know, just some brainstorming. And then you can maybe narrow it down when you get into Instagram. Lots of tips now regarding hashtags, which are brilliant because a lot of people do get confused about that. So another area that get confused about is the different stories and the fee, you know, what should they be more focused on? Should they be looking and going story, story, stories, or feed is more important? What's your take on that? Again, this is all going to come down to testing. Um, I, and actually my, my best friend is Amanda Robinson. She's at the digital gal on Instagram and she's a Facebook ads expert because all my best friends all work in this industry. Um, (laughs) but she and I have done some tests because we both like to geek out over testing and she has a much smaller audience than I do on Instagram. Like she has like a couple thousand followers versus I have nearly 25,000 followers, but she gets crazy good reach and engagement on her stories. I do not. So we've done tests where we've actually taken, she posts a story on her Instagram account, tags me in, and I immediately share it. Like literally within 30 seconds, I've shared it to my Instagram account. Same tag, same content, everything else. And she will get way more views than I do. Just view counts. Her views are higher than mine, let alone like per capita, given the difference, you know, in our audiences. And it's because her audience has been trained and her audience likes to ingest story content. Mm -hmm. My audience knows I don't create a lot of stories. They know if I'm going to post something of value, it's usually going to be in the feed. So they're not looking for my stories and they know I don't create a lot of content. So when I do, they're kind of like, eh, that's probably not that important because if it was important, it would be in the feed. So 
Mm-hmm. It's we have two completely different audiences, so I can't possibly say one is better than the other because for her, stories have way more impact. For me, the feed has way more impact. So you really have to test it out and you can't be like, oh, I posted a story and it didn't work. You need to give it a minimum, minimum of four weeks, mm-hmm. ideally about six weeks of testing. Yes. Meaning give your audience the chance to see your story content. Give the Instagram algorithm a chance to figure out what your audience wants from you. And then you can say, okay, this is the type of story that's working best for us. You know, maybe we only do them once a week. Maybe we do them every day. Whatever it is, you really have to test it out for your audience over a period of time and consistency over that period of time to really see how it works for you. And you'll get feedback because if you just all of a sudden started posting stories and your audience isn't used to it, you'll get messages. Oh my gosh, you're posting stories. These are great. Give us more. Mm -hmm. Or they'll be like, swipe. (laughs) I'm going to ignore you. So you will get the feedback from them, whether you like it or not, as to how they're interacting with that content and if they want more of it. And then from there, you can decide where you want to put that. But to be in general terms, stories are incredibly powerful. Ad recall rates are way higher on stories than they are on feed posts. Um, And that's not just for ad, you know, ads on stories, but stories Mm -hmm. in general, it has the same kind of, you know, ad recall. And because it's quick content, people are like, they're absorbing it so quickly versus scrolling through the feed and reading, which Instagram still much faster than, you know, like Facebook or LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. But stories are so quick that people are taking in that content so quickly, it just sticks differently. And they can be a very, very powerful tool. People in general get way more conversions out of stories than they do out of the feed. Um, But again, you have to test, test, test to know what's really going to work for your audience. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is the critical thing, and I think that's a, a, is an overarching kind of rule from social and digital is the whole right. area of testing, really. You know, because I think uh, I think it's the same on all the channels. Like I would notice, for example, I would get better engagement on LinkedIn, say, with my videos where I do a video post as to maybe just a a text only post where right. we had a. We had a LinkedIn expert on there on the last show, John Asperian, where he was getting massive engagement on his text-only posts. So it's, I suppose, exactly as you said, you have to test. Um, in relation to stories, Jen, something that I do love about stories and which Instagram are so, um, I suppose, innovative at is the constant updating of their stickers, etc. You have the <laughs> countdown sticker and the polls. They keep me uh, in business with these updates. Yeah, uh, you know, and... <laughs> They really have made stories better, you know, even from, say, mm-hmm. the fact you can have the hashtags and uh, geotagging. But I suppose from a sticker point and making those stories better, you know, what are some of the things that you see that kind of really elevate your stories game up? Yeah, and it's a couple things to keep in mind. Again, stories are meant to be short form content. Mm-hmm. People don't want to read a novel. Yeah. You can technically tap and hold to read or like watch, you know, what's on that screen longer. A lot of average everyday users don't know that. Um, so they're not going to do it. And a lot of people just don't like, if they just see a huge text box, they're like, swipe on, honey. I am not reading this. Like, <laughs> I ain't got time. That's not what stories were for. Yeah. So you want to keep in mind some of those basics. Like understand that, you know, stories are meant to be that quick ingestible content. If you have a lot to say, Split it up into three text stories, not one long written one. Do three short ones that people can read in 10 seconds and move to the Mm. next. Mm -hmm. But mix it up. Don't just do text. Do it as a video instead. You can say in a 15-second video way more than what you have written out 
into multiple story posts. And people would rather yeah. hear your voice and connect with video on stories than reading something on stories. So mm-hmm. rather than typing it all up, do a quick video and do sound on stickers so people know to turn it on to hear and listen to what you're saying. Yeah. That is way more impactful than trying to just put a text, you know, box type thing up onto your story over and over and over again. Yeah. Speaking of that, we want interaction, right? We want people to take that interaction and that's where the stickers come can be really powerful. You can use that sound on sticker. You can use the swipe up sticker if you have that function so people know that they can swipe up on that post to get the link. Yeah. You yeah. can use GIFs and all these different things to, you know, add context to them and make them a little bit more than just a boring photo or text, add yeah. those things to give context. Um, but then there's all these other stickers that can really drive engagement with the audience because regardless of what the content is, Facebook, AKA Instagram wants an active environment. They don't want a passive environment. Passive is where they read and move on. Active is where they do something on that post. They click on something. They navigate to something. They show acknowledgement in some way. And a lot of the stickers that have come out with, you know, polls, quizzes, questions, the slider sticker, the DM sticker, the chat sticker, all of these things, the countdown sticker, they all require interaction. So if you put a poll sticker on there where you give people one of, you know, there's two options, they pick one of two, it's, they physically tap on it. They choose which one they want or which one they want to recommend or whatever answer they want to pick. And now they've taken an active step in participating. That's a very positive ranking in the Instagram algorithm as well. So now the algorithm knows that person is interacting with your content positively. Your content will rank higher for them. So you can use those stickers in lots of different ways. We could spend a whole podcast just on that topic. Um, But definitely find those creative ways to use those stickers and beef up that interaction so it's not a passive environment but where it really is active as a means to get them to do something on your story excellent yeah like certainly um i've started to use stickers a lot more on my own and even for my own one of my own clients we used to he started to now move into the element of doing like instagram live but one of your tips that i learned from one of your blogs was how to copy and paste a photo to bring it into your stories. Mm-hmm. And I cre- I did that with two photos, put it in a poll so people then could, with the poll could choose which image based yeah. on, a, on a topic. And it worked out great. So, um, so yeah, I'm finding definitely that interactivity, you know, once it's, a, as you said, it's kind of quick and I suppose actionable and bite-sized, it's very engaging, you know, so, um, so yeah. yeah. So uh, we are, I tell you, I, this has been a fantastic chat so far. Uh, Jen, like, uh, the amount of um, like I I thought I was I was versed in Instagram, but I've been schooled <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so uh, so thank you. <laughs> so uh, my pleasure. I love schooling. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's been great. Um, I suppose just uh, kind of to keep the conversation moving. Um, this was uh, a post that I had commented on where I said it was a light bulb moment for me because you talked about the link in the Instagram bio because. I would have used Linktree, et cetera. Mm. Um, and you have a very specific kind of uh, thought and ideas around the one link in the Instagram bio. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So it is, you know, people always ask, you know, should I use Linktree? How do I get around that there's only one clickable link? And everyone hates that there's only one clickable link. For the record, I love that there's only one clickable link because it keeps Instagram from being a dumping ground like every other social media site. 
Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. It's like link drop, link drop, link drop, link drop. And it's lazy. If you ask me, uh, it's convenient, <laughs> but it's lazy. <laughs> Instagram doesn't provide that functionality. If you want someone to do something, you have to make them take steps to get there. You can't just drop a link in your caption and they can, you know, just casually click on it. They have to navigate to the profile. So you, like you said, you do the click on the link in the bio is a call to action. They click on your profile photo. They come over, they're there. They click on that link, but that's all great and fine and dandy, except that there's only one link. And let's say this week you're promoting a blog post and last week it was a podcast episode and the week before that was, you know, registering for something and the week before that was, you know, a giveaway. Now, if someone's seeing your post from three weeks ago, they click on the link, it's going to, you know, this week's blog post, not the giveaway that you had done. And they're really confused. So Linktree came out as a solution to this. It became a one link location. You clicked on that and you went to basically a new screen on your computer or on your mobile device. And it would give you options to go to multiple places. So you could say, you know, blog and you could put podcast and you could put, you know, homepage, about page, work with me, you know, all the different things you want people to do as a potential call to action. So it was a great solution, but a, it's not pretty. I actually think Linktree is fugly. Um, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> and but it's also, you're giving somebody else your traffic. You're putting that mediation. You've already made someone take multiple steps to get to that link in the bio. Now yeah. you're inserting a, another third party step between your website or where it is you want them to go. And you lose control of that traffic. If Linktree gets flagged, if Linktree gets shut down, if Linktree is not working, all of which have happened, um, even though they keep you know resuscitating, but they, there are implications of having a third party, you know, mediary in there. So what I tell people to do is actually put a custom landing page on your own website. And if you want, mine's not perfect, but if you want to go to Jen's underscore trends, J-E-N-N-S underscore trends on Instagram and click on the link, you go to the landing page on my website. And that is no fluff. There are no banner things. There's no sidebars. There's no pop-ups. There's no nothing except for five very simple options. It's basically mimicking a link tree format. Everything yes. is visual. I have a visual for each of the five options with a text overlay. If you want to go to the blog, you want to watch my videos, you want to work with me, blah, blah, blah. They're all on there. And then when they just click on whatever option it is they want, and now boom, they're on that page on my website. The reason this is powerful is because A, I already own the traffic. They went right to my website. So now my Google Analytics can tell me where the, everyone's navigating from that page because the only place I share that link is on Instagram. So I know everyone that came to that page came from Instagram. I can see where they went. What's the most commonly visited pages? How long are they staying? Are they converting? Where are they going? All these sorts of things. And if you want to get really crazy, you can throw your Facebook pixel on there. And now you can actually retarget every one of the people that comes to that page with your Facebook and Instagram advertising, because again, you own that traffic and you have no concerns about any sort of third party issues. Um, and you can customize it, whatever you want. You get to make it as pretty or as ugly as you want, because it's your own website. <laughs> that is actually a really good tip. That's the one I, I had. I had the light bulb moment and I had to tweet that out to Jen during the week because I thought <laughs> that is so simple. You know, see, that's why it is a lot of yeah. light bulb moments for a lot of people. Like once yeah. you hear it, you're like, why didn't I think of that? Like that's so yeah. obvious, but we're so programmed to think I got to send them to that page on the website. I don't want them to navigate here and navigate there. Yeah, and yeah. It's so confusing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And that's why you have to streamline it. There can't be, like I said, pop-ups and sidebars and confusion. And I'd say not more than like five options. You can maybe go to like seven, but when you give people no. too many 
options, yeah. it's overwhelming and they're going to leave again. Yeah. So yeah. keep it simple. If you're promoting blogs, just put a link to the blog post page. If they're looking for the blog, it's most likely the most recent one, which is going to be the first yeah. one on the blog page. Don't list every single blog post. Don't list every yeah. single product. Just give them quick and easy things of buckets that will get them in the direction that you want them to go. Well, I wanted to ask you, have you any last tips? You know, and I, I, I love, I love a lot of questions about Instagram. I just love Instagram in general, but I do love this question um, because we've talked strategy. We've been talking about all these things. You need to do this and you need to do that. And you should be doing this and do this and this many times. And we talk about a lot of things you should be doing. And I can, again, I said, I can talk for three hours. I'll keep going and I can give you all the strategy in the world. But the reality is Instagram is a place for fun. It is a place to hang out and relax, kind of let your hair down, especially in stories. It's much more raw, kind of, even though it's filtered, it's essentially unfiltered. And that has to come through in your content. You have to be having fun. Think about your audience. Think about how you can communicate with them. If you're coming at them super in their face, aggressive, super corporate speak, you know, even if you're a lawyer, like, let your hair down just a little bit on Instagram. It's okay. You know, the more you have fun with the platform and you see what other people are doing and what's working, embrace the fun factor. It doesn't have to be willy nilly and crazy. And, you know, you don't have to be, you know, generating TikTok videos every minute of your life, but have fun with your content. Cause when you have fun, your audience has fun. And that is where people really start to make the connections with you because they get to see that that fun, playful side of you or your brand. And that is what people are going to connect with. So just have fun. That's it. So, I'm, bringing um, the jo- I'm bringing the jokes to Instagram, Mimer. That's what's I was about to say that. That's what I was about to say. I'm bringing the jokes. <laughs> you should. And, yeah. I mean, even for like the worst dad jokes ever, people are going to be like, oh my oh, God, that yeah. was so bad. But it's going to drive engagement because yeah. it's a fun factor. It gets out of the monotonous, we have a new podcast episode. And on this episode, we have guest so-and-so who's speaking about da-da-da. If you mix it in with that, like, would not seem that that's how you guys promote it, but that's how a lot of podcasts no. get promoted, right? Yeah. But if you yeah. mix it in with that fun factor, the jokes and all the behind the scenes, and yeah. you know, that's what people relate to, and that's what's going to drive up your engagement. Perfect. Well, I couldn't, uh, we, we couldn't have ended better there. We're literally about <laughs> yep. uh, to uh, come to the end. Um, Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, because obviously I've read your your material on Social Media Examiner and your own blog and seen you. So it's yeah. great to now see you in person and to talk. It's been fantastic. Um, so we wish you every continued success. Stay healthy and well, obviously, with the, the COVID-19 still kind of coming out. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Emir would agree that... We've had so much fun talking to you that I think we'd love to try and get you on again uh, in the yeah. future because there yeah. is so much more we can talk about on Instagram. Definitely, and, definitely. Uh, so yeah, we can you, do a deeper dive into stories. We yeah. can talk about Instagram Live. Yeah. We can talk about whatever new updates have come out. Trust yeah. me, we can talk all day. We'll, we'll do it again. <laughs> Deadly. Well, that'd be great. Perfect. Absolutely. We'll leave but- that teaser. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose um, all, all that's left for you to say is I've been Philip Twyfe with the Curly Marketer Social Media Management and Strategy. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. And we will be back again soon with another episode of the Let's Get Social show. So thank you again, Jen, and stay tuned. Bye. Bye.